Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. I want you to say this. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I can have what it says I can have. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind's alert. My heart's receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. If that's you, say amen. 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 Let yourself know that's you. Hey, self, that is you. You're going to be changed, continually changed and conformed into His image. Amen. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13, this is something, uh, we're talking about Bible boldness again. Uh, installment number five. If you want to go hear the other ones, they're up there. I thought, I thought they were pretty good myself, but, you know, I'm a little biased to what I do. They're on YouTube, they're on Facebook, they're on podcast channel, whatever. We can get it to you if you want it. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if we can cut vinyl, but we could make CDs if you need it. And uh, we've already been through this four times. And there's four things that we've been seeing concerning Bible boldness. There are four necessary ingredients to be bold for God. Who wants to be bold for God? You know, that is the, that's what the earth and people dead in sin and the world in this present age, though it be evil, that is what they are longing and needing are bold, Holy Ghost-filled, pure men and women that know their God and can tell them the way for them to receive Jesus. They can tell them the way to heaven, and they can tell them how to have heaven on earth, which is God's will. Amen? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is, in heaven. And there's four necessary ingredients. If you're going to be bold for God, you're going to have to have these ingredients in your life. You're going to have to have these characteristics, these traits in your life. You're going to have to be one right with God. And the blood of Jesus makes you right with God. How many is thankful that you're right with God? You can boldly enter into the throne room of grace, the book of Hebrews tells us, at any time and receive help from God. You're going to have to have faith in that. Have faith in the blood of Jesus. Don't allow Satan to come and bring up your past. The old dead you is buried in the ground. And keep. if you see someone with a shovel digging him or her up, take the shovel, beat them over the head and run. Let the old you stay in the ground. Because the new you is alive in Christ forevermore. Amen? Amen. You're going to have to be right with God. You're going to have to fear no one but God. That's the choice. Every day. Two options. Fear man or fear God, but you can't do both. You can't live your life serving two masters. Can't do it. 
cannot do it. You, you cannot divide your heart. God don't want a divided heart anyway. He wants every bit of you. He wants your spirit. He wants your soul. He wants your body. He wants all of you. He wants your thoughts, your words, your actions. He wants your todays, tomorrows. He wants every bit of you. And you come to a point and say, you know what? Uh, maybe it doesn't win the popularity contest, but if I'm approved of by God, that's more than enough for me. And this world, you look out, this world in a social media, Instagram, Facebook, 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, news media, uh, council culture. In this world, people are constantly competing for the approval of men. For what? Heartache? Destruction? And then when they realize they can't ever get it, oftentimes they end their lives. They, they get in depression. I mean... Playing this game of trying to please someone who can't save your soul ain't worth it. But you can be pleasing unto God. And you can come to a point, you know what? I'm going to live for God. 110%. Sold out. The third thing you're going to have to have if you're going to be bold for God is you're going to live by. Someone say by. Live by the Word of God. This, wor this Bible... The, the, is more than white paper, black ink, wrapped in leather. It's more than the number one best-selling book of all history. It is God's Word to me. It is how I will govern my life. It is the means by which will take me where God wants me. It's the foundation of my relationship with the living God. And if you're going to be bold for God bold on God's behalf, the Bible will become the Lord of your life. Now you say, well, Jesus is Lord of my life. Yes, the Word became flesh, and His name is Jesus Christ. The Word is God, and He is His Word. When He breathed that out, when men, moved by the Holy Spirit, wrote down the Word of God, He was putting Himself into the earth by His Word, part and parcel, so that we might receive revelation of who He is. And then fourth, you're going to have to live in the power of God. When you honor the Lord and His Word, He'll confirm it. And the power of God will be moving on your behalf. Let me be so bold to say this, at your disposal. Well, I don't know if I like that. That sounds like I'm commanding God. No, the Lord said this in the book of Isaiah, command you me my hands. Because God's not going to be moved around by just anyone. But the men and women who have said, Lord, you are my all in all, my Lord, my King, my Master. God will say, that's someone I can work with. That's someone I can move through. And that's someone when they ask me something, though it may seem impossible to man, I'll make it happen. No problem. So here we are today talking about, again, Bible boldness. And specifically, what I want you to know is this. You need to, you can, but really you must hear God for yourself. You must hear God for yourself. There are plenty of people in this world who will tell you what God said for you. But you don't need a, uh, if you will, leftover revelation. You don't need a, a hearsay revelation of God. You don't need a friend of a friend told you about Him. 
You need to hear God for yourself. You need to be close with the Master. You need to know His voice so that any other voice that comes in your life, you say, that's not my Master. That is not my Shepherd. That is not my Lord. And now that doesn't mean you're just rogue, but here's what the beautiful thing is. When you begin to hear the voice of God, you fall in lockstep with the family of God who's also hearing His voice. Amen? How many know there's no private interpretation of revelation? Second Peter tells us that. God doesn't just speak to one. Well, I've got it all. I've got a monopoly on God and you've got to come to me to get it. No. He has made Himself available to any that might believe. So we're going to look at really a peculiar story, but a true historical account of a man of God. And we're going to do two things today. We're going to see what he did well and emulate, imitate his faithfulness. And then we're going to see how he failed. Unfortunately, he did. And avoid his failure. Someone say this. Say, imitate faithfulness. Avoid failure. You can do that in any area of life. You look and you see in life, you see someone's doing something you want to do, do what they do, and you'll get where they are. Amen. Amen. It just works like that. You, you see someone accomplishing things you want to accomplish in your life, ask them how they got there, and then do what they did, and lo and behold, you'll arrive at the same place. If I want to go to Greenville, and I know you know how to get there, if I just follow your car and you're going to Greenville, we're going to arrive at the same destination. And so we can see that all through the Bible. I can't help but see that. One, I'm my father's son, and I've sit under his teaching for 31 years, so I can't help but look in this Bible and see principles. And I know this, that God is not a respecter of persons. Well, he did it for you, but I don't know if he'll do it for me. Then God's a liar. Anyone believe God's a liar? He will meet anyone who has faith in him. And if he's done it for one, he'll do it for another. He doesn't play favorites. How many is thankful God doesn't play favorites? Let's, keep, let's begin reading. 1 Kings chapter 13. And behold, a man of God. We're going to read some, uh, some scripture through this chapter, so just kind of flow with me here because I'm going to interject some things and, and, and as the Holy Spirit moves. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. Let's say that together. By the word of the Lord. It says that over and over and over again. By the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Now stop where you're at. 30-second overview summary of where we are in the history of Israel. Israel, 12 tribes, one nation. Got it? Solomon, because... He decided to evangelistically date and marry women who didn't serve his God. What happened? Surprise, he backslid. Don't run with people that are going somewhere you don't want to go. What fixer-upper projects are houses and cars, not husbands and wives. How do I know I can marry them? If you can say to yourself, if they never change who they are from right to day, I'm okay with it. Because if you ain't, well, <laughs> I can fix them. I can fix her. Only God changes people. And only God does it when they submit and yield. 
because God's given people a choice. I've already blown 30 seconds, haven't I? That wasn't 30 seconds number. I just got through Solomon and gave marriage advice. Maybe I'll talk about money, the two things no one wants to talk about, and hit both of those subjects today. Who knows? Marriage and money. Solomon marries all these women, speaking of marriage and money, richest man in the world, had all the wisdom, but he didn't apply it. He marries all these women. He backslides on God, and God says, I'm not going to honor you, even though I told you, which is what God said. He said, if, someone say if. It's a two-letter word, but man, it's powerful, and it's all through the Bible. He said, if you'll follow me and do what your father David did, I'll bless you and keep your sons on a throne forever. But he didn't. If. So his son Rehoboam becomes king, and he gets counsel from old men. The old men say, look, the people are tired of being taxed. If you'll bless them today, they'll serve you forever. Good advice. Problem. He listened to the young men. What's the problem? The young men, in this case, were stupid. He took stupid advice, and he got bad results. The young men said, nah, tell him that Solomon was bad. Tell him you'll be even worse. And he did. You thought my daddy was bad? I'm even worse. I'm going to tax you more. And what'd they say? What lot does Israel have in the house of David? See ya. I'm out of here. The kingdom splits. So from that point forward, there's ten tribes called Israel, two tribes called Judah. Why do I tell you that? Jeroboam, 1 Kings 13, 1, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. He is the first king of divided Israel. And he's wicked. He didn't start wicked. God told him in 1 Kings 11, you can read it, told Jeroboam, Jeroboam, by, the, by a prophet, by a man of God, he said, if you'll obey me, Solomon's departed from me, and I'm going to tear the kingdom from his son. I'm not going to do it in Solomon's day because I love David too much. How you live your life it won't save another person, but it will extend mercy on your children based on how you live. You can't get saved for your children. But how many, how many knows that before you got saved, God showed you mercy, not because of who you were, but because of prayers of your parents? He said, I love David too much. I can't destroy his son. But I will do it to Rehoboam. And Jeroboam, if, someone say if again, if you'll follow me, I'll keep your sons on the throne forever. Well, Jeroboam gets a bright idea. Fear of man. He has some advisors, tells him, Jeroboam, if you let the people go worship in Jerusalem, when we're divided, Jerusalem's in Judah, the other kingdom, if, we, if you let them go worship, their heart will never be given to you. And one day they'll rise up and kill you because they'll, they'll begin to have allegiance to Rehoboam, the other king. So Jeroboam says, ah, that, no problem. We'll make our own religion. Satan's always been trying to make a contrary, counterfeit religion. That's why you need to hear God for yourself. Because there will always be snakes in the grass. There will always be some truth with just a little bit of change. So Jeroboam says, we'll make two altars. We'll put these big old golden calves. Man, that's stupid. Did he not know about Moses? Sure he did. Aaron tried it then, and a plague came out because of their sin. So Jeroboam, he makes these uh, pagan, satanic, antichrist, religion, pagan worship. He hires his own priest. He builds his own altar, but the only problem is this. There's no anointing. You can play religion, 
But if the Spirit of God's not in it, it's worthless. So here we are. The man of God comes to Jeroboam, verse 2. Then he cried out against Jeroboam, this wicked king. And this is what the word of the Lord was that God put in his belly. Altar, speaking of this pagan, wicked, spirit of Antichrist, idolatrous altar that Jeroboam built and was committing all type of sin and transgression in the face of God. He said, altar by the word of the Lord. And said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, the other kingdom. And on you shall he sacrifice the priests of the high places. High places were places of satanic worship in Israel where they had begun to worship other gods but the living God. Who burn incense on you and men's bones shall be burned on you. Verse 3, And he gave a sign the same day saying, This is the sign. The same day saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart and the ashes on it shall be poured out. Before we move on, I want you to see this because this is it's so good. God has a plan. God has a plan to destroy this wicked, filthy, disgraceful transgression committed against Him boldly by men in wickedness. He has a plan. Someone say, God has a plan. His plan was, it won't happen this moment, but there will be a son of David, Josiah, which happened about 340 years later. And Josiah brought revival to Judah. And he cleaned out these places of wickedness. If you want to see revival, what is revival? A renewed obedience to the Word of God is what Charles Finney said. Charles Finney was a revivalist who shook America in the 1800s. He said all revival is is a renewed obedience to the Word of God. How many wants to see a renewed obedience to God's Word in our nation? The only way it starts is first repentance, then revival. Because Josiah, who brought revival to Judah and surrounding Israel, first cleaned out the wickedness. Pastor's been preaching on this reality of spiritual warfare for four weeks. How We've got to have that prayer. Lord, clean out the wickedness from our city. Clean out the wickedness from our state, from our nation. The wicked spirits that bind the minds of men. There has to be a cleansing. How is there a cleansing and a repentance? By the preaching of the gospel. Talking about spiritual warfare, I think it's fine mistake said, the greatest way to wage spiritual warfare is to preach. Preach the word. Well, I'm not a preacher. You are. Go into all the ends of the earth and teach and make disciples. Not some of y'all go. No, when you're in your job place, speak the Word of God. When you're around your family, speak the Word of God. When you're living your life, live it bound by the Word of God. God had a plan for you too. 1 John 3, 8 said that Jesus was born into this earth that He might destroy the works of the devil. 
Just as Josiah came, much like a type and shadow of Christ, and destroyed the works of Satan in his day and age, Christ has come to destroy the works of the devil in anyone's life that, they might, that might believe on Him. If you believe on Jesus, the power to destroy the works of the devil lives inside of you. And I love that because people talk about majorities and minorities and this type of thing and voting and all that. God doesn't need a majority to shake a nation. He needs one person on fire by the Holy Ghost that just won't be quiet and just won't back down. Find me in the Bible where God said, I would do it, but 51% of the people aren't doing it. Gideon had 33,000 people going up against an army of 180,000, 90,000 people. And God said, it's too much. You might take glory for yourself. Dwindled it down to 10,000. Too much, Gideon. Let's do it with 300 men and without swords, pots and torches. God doesn't need a majority. God needs you. He needs you sold out. He needs you 110% committed. He just needs you. Now look at this, verse 2. He cried out against the altar. Some things need to be cursed. The book of Proverbs tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that eat it shall take of that fruit. They that live by it will... Take in that fruit. In other words, you're bearing fruit in your life by what's coming out of your mouth. Because what's coming out of your mouth is just a reflection of what Jesus said is in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there's death and life, blessing and cursing, waging spiritual warfare. There are some things that need to be spoken for blessing and spoken against how else do people dead in sin know what's right and wrong unless the person who knows right and wrong by the Word of God says it? I don't know. I, it was a little bit before my time, but I remember hearing it in political talk. Uh, the silent majority in the 80s, 90s. Yeah, the silent majority. How's that working for us? The idea was all the people that would come to the polls, they would vote right. They would vote again, you know, for life and, and all this thing. Staying silent will do nothing more but just convince your mind that maybe the people who are speaking real loud are right. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God or hearing and hearing CNN, Fox News, or hearing, hearing Facebook, Instagram, or hearing, hearing your coworkers. What, whatever you put in is what you're going to believe. Don't be a silent majority, minority, silent, single person. Be a bold, loud, proclaiming the things of God person. Now, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. We can see here, verses 1 through 3, this man of God... My goodness, someone stop time. One through three, this man of God, he's living by the Word of God. He has a word from God. He is on a mission from God. He's not getting the band back together like the Blues Brothers, but he is on a mission from God. He has the Word of God. That's what directs his path. The Word is a lamp under my feet 
and a light unto my path. The Word of God will direct your path. Now look at this. Verse 4. So what does Jeroboam, this wicked king, do? So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, Jeroboam cried out against, who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him. Then his hand... Now think about this. This literally happened. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered, so that he could not pull it back to himself. He tried to attack the things of God. You're going to see there's three things that Satan does in 1 Kings 13. One, he tries to attack the man of God. Here's the problem. You can't attack the general of the armies of heaven. You can't attack the things... You can, but you're a fool. I love it. I mean, I, I, I see all these things and I, I immerse myself for years I have uh, what people call the persecuted church, but I, I, I don't call them... I mean, they are persecuted. They bear stripes in their body for the name of Christ, but I see them as a vibrant living brothers and sisters all throughout the world because they just can't be stopped. Oh, you're going to beat me? Okay. Thank God I can bear stripes in my back. Meanwhile, people in, not trying to make anyone feel bad, but in our nation, they, got, they, they took me off Facebook. Hey, I'm all for freedom of speech. That, that you should be able to say what you want to say. That's fine with me. But uh, getting banned on Facebook seven days is not getting beat in the head for owning a Bible. Amen? Amen. And so this man, Jeroboam, he tries to strike out against the man of God. He tries to come against the anointing of God, but he can't do it. Honor the anointing of God. The Bible, pastor talked about covetousness. We're not to covet or be greedy of natural things, but the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians 14 to covet the gifts of God. What are we to be desirous of and want and, and, and go after the things of God, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, the presence of God? You want to be bold with God? You want to walk lockstep with God? Want more and more of His presence. Honor the anointing. Don't make a joke of it. Don't consider it a light thing. I'm, man, I am serious about this. I refuse to ever overlook or make light of the anointing of God on a person. God anoints men and women. It's just the way that God has orchestrated and designated His kingdom in the earth. And so I just realized, hey, there's men, there's women, they have the anointing. And I'm going to honor that person because God's on them and in them. Uh, every time when we finish up worship, oftentimes you, you may have never noticed it. Uh, now you're going to watch for it. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't get out of worship. But there have been so many times where pastor will come up and I'll get real close to him. Yes, he's my father. But he's my pastor. And he carries an anointing. And I've prayed over and over, and I said, Father, what is on him, let it be on me. That would cause him to persevere 41 years in ministry without, without scandal. 41 years of ministry. What's on him, let it be on me. I don't make light of the anointing. I don't make light of the things of God. 
Samuel said this to Saul. He said, Saul, don't you realize that if you'll honor God, He, God of heaven, will honor you. But if you lightly esteem Him, He will lightly esteem you. I don't want to be ignored by God. I don't want to be brushed off by the living God. I want God in heaven to know me, hear my voice. So I honor Him. I honor him. But here's Jeroboam. The man, he had an opportunity. He could repent. You understand? He's not at a point where he can't repent. It's all through. Old Testament, New Testament. He could have changed. He could have changed. There are kings that started out evil and ended their days good. Manasseh. He could have changed, but he didn't. Verse 5. So the altar was split apart. If God says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. This day, this altar is going to be blown apart. I'm done with it. I'm crushing it. I'm breaking it. Split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Verse 6, Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord, your God. Notice that. Your God. Jeroboam knew he had no right to say, My God. Jeroboam was installed by God to be king of Israel. But because of his choices, he no longer could say it was his God. It was the man of God, his God, your God. Entreat on for the favor of the Lord, your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Simply put, God prefers mercy. Micah 7, 7 verse 18 says this. He, God is just and He must, He must issue judgment. If He does not judge righteously, He is not a God of character. And He would then be a respecter of persons. Because then He has have a history of judging righteously, but now I'm not going to anymore. God judges righteously. But what you see in the nature of God is He holds out as long as He can. 2 Peter 3.9 Because He wishes that all might be saved. All won't be, but He's waiting. He's giving opportunity. In Micah 7, God says, I prefer mercy. I prefer mercy. Mercy. This king, in the act of wickedness, he's turned his back on God. And the man of God prays for him. Jesus said in Matthew 5, What do you do with people who hate you? Who strike out against you? Who lie about you? Who despise you? Pray for them. Pray for them. We walk in love. We stand boldly against sin because we walk in love. We know because our minds have been renewed by the Word of God that when we see sin, we don't see it as, oh, I'm just having fun. We see it, that's a path that is wide and broad and ends in destruction. But if you'll get off that path and get on a straight and narrow path, you'll enter into the goodness of God. But the way you're going is going to kill you. You don't love someone 
if you won't tell them the truth. There is a, a wicked, wicked imposter of love that much of the world has failed for today. Well, if you love me, you'll approve of me. That's not love. That's lying. And it ain't got nothing to do with anybody, personal. It ain't got nothing to do with nobody. It has to do with God has said, end of story. God prefers mercy. How many has been a recipient of God's mercy today? He prefers mercy. He wants to be merciful. He didn't tell, the man of God didn't say to Jeroboam, oh, forget it. Leave your arm like that till you die. He healed him. God's showing him something here. God's showing him what I've said is coming to pass. All this wickedness that you've started, I'm going to destroy it by a man named Josiah. And you can believe that I'll do that because I'm going to blow this altar apart right before your eyes right now. Signs, miracles, wonders, thank God for them. They are an arrow pointing to the goodness of God. That's why we desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit to move and operate in this church and churches all through the world. We need to see the power of God because it points the way to God. It establishes people. Romans 1, 9, uh, Romans 1, 9 and 11, Paul said, I, I'm praying that I can come to you, church in Rome, because I'm praying I want to impart unto you spiritual gifts that you might be established, strengthened in God. God prefers mercy. Verse 7, Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me, refresh yourself, and I'll give you a reward. I told you there's three things Satan's going to do in this, in this story of this man of God. First, he's going to attack him, but it don't work. Because if you'll stand with God, God will be your defense. Secondly, Jeroboam's going to try, Satan, through Jeroboam's going to try and make this man compromise. Come on home with me. You've been nice to me, let me be nice to you now. Come on home. Let me feed you a meal. Let me take you out. We'll get any pizza off the Little Caesars menu we want. It don't have to be the $5 pizza. It can be the $8 or $10 one. <laughs> he said, I'm going to feed you, and I'm going to give you some money. I'm going to buy you off. What did the man of God say? But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house. Now look, this isn't a starter house. It isn't a three-bed, two-bath house. It's not a gated community house. It is the king of a nation. We're not talking about a little house here. If you were to give me up to half your house, I ain't going with you. If you're going to be bold for God, you cannot compromise. Say no compromise. Can't do it. Can't do it. Or Robert said, what you compromise to gain, you will eventually lose. Now, I'm not talking about, well, honey, I like the toilet paper roll to pull this way, not that way. I ain't talking about that. But in the things of God, you can't compromise. I don't have that luxury, nor do I want it. There's a way, book of Proverbs, there's a way that seems right unto man. I think we should do it this way, but it ends in destruction. Why won't he go? I would not go in with you. Nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread. There it is. God told me I can't, so I ain't. That, that rhymes, doesn't it? 
God told me I can't, so I ain't. You shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way home, and he did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Sounds real good so far, right? Let's keep reading. Verse 11. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works of that man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. Then he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled a donkey for him, and he rode on it. I, when I was studying that, I thought that was real funny. What else are you going to do with a saddled donkey than ride on it? But it states the obvious. Saddle the donkey, and he rode on it. Verse 14, he went after the man of God, found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Verse 15, then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, faithfully, second time, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you, neither can I eat bread nor drink water, water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord. There it is again. By the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by the going, way, going the way you came. Here, here's where it gets sticky. Verse 18, he said to him, I too am a prophet, as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back to you and to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. And he lied to him. So he went back with him. Man, I understand the Bible tells us what's going on. Uh, maybe it doesn't have every single thing that was there. Maybe this is like what happened. You understand what actually happened. But to me, it's like surely there was more than just one sentence of, well, an angel told me, you come on. He said, oh, okay, well, that settles it. I'm out of here. Maybe it was. Maybe there was some convincing there. I don't know. Maybe something was in the man of God's heart. Maybe the man of God, oftentimes, this is something I've learned. Take it for what you want. I don't necessarily have a point, scripture reference to back it up, but I've seen it in, in my life. I've seen it in people who've served God uh, particularly in ministry. And this is something I've learned. Oftentimes, well, I do. I, thank you, Lord. Oftentimes, destruction comes immediately after a victory. The opportunity to fall into pride, to fall into sin, oftentimes comes immediately after a victory, after a high. God said to Cain, Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel, they bring sacrifices to God. Cain's sacrifice is not pleasing unto God because it's not what he commanded him to bring. Cain gets upset. And God issues the greatest counseling sentence there ever was and will ever be. He told Cain, he said, Cain, why are you sad? Don't you realize if you'll do right, you won't have to be sad anymore. You won't feel this way anymore. If you change what you do, you too can be accepted like Abel was. I'm not mad at you as a person. It's just you chose to do wrong. But if you'll do right, you too can be blessed. You too can be honored. You too can feel good like Abel. And then he says this. He says, but sin is crouching at the door. 
crouching at the door. It's ready to pounce. It's waiting for an opportunity. At that moment, it's waiting for a, 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 just a little bit of a toehold. Now we can get in. Let's get in now. And Satan, 1 Peter 5, is constantly looking. He's like a lion walking to and fro through the earth, roaring, making a big noise, but he can't attack you. And if you refuse to compromise, he can't buy you off. But what's the third thing he's going to do, which is what he uses a lot? Deceive. If he can find just a little tiniest crack to get in, oh man, let's put a little bit of lie in there. Let's mix a little bit of lie with this truth. If I can just get a little bit of lie in there, then maybe I can change that heart. And that's what's happening here. I'm a man of God too. I'm like you too. He lied, he lied one, that an angel told him. It didn't. Two, Galatians 1, Paul says this to the church of Galatia. He says, If anyone preaches to you a different gospel, or even if an angel from God comes to you and tells you something different than this word, let them be cursed. Well, you know, I believe the Bible too, but some of that stuff's outdated. Well, I hear what you're saying, but I think some of that is probably what, what God said or Jesus said, but some of that, you can't trust everything in there because, you know, it's like Hebrew culture and then Greek culture and then, you know, men wrote it anyway, this and that. Look at the fruit of their life. This old prophet, this is where daily Bible reading is going to bless you. Because if you keep on reading, you'll get eventually into 2 Chronicles. 1 and 2 Chronicles is God's point of view of what takes place in 1 and 2 Kings. 1 and 2 Chronicles, all it is is a timeline of five revivals that take place in Israel and Judah. And what you will find out is this, that when Jeroboam creates this wicked satanic, spirit of antichrist, religion, worship, which I hope you at this point you understand is anything but the gospel. There's one source for all lies, the father of lies. It may be a different flavor. It may have a different brand label. It could be anything. But if it's a lie, it comes from one source, the father of lies, Satan. What you'll find out in 2 Chronicles 11 is, this, uh, is chapter 11 is this. All the righteous people in Israel move when Jeroboam transgresses God and comes up with this satanic, idolatrous, pagan, sin-filled type of worship. They say, we're leaving. I'm not going to live under a cursed king. I'm going to go, but also they're obeying the word of God. It's not just, well, I don't want to be here. They leave because they say, God's told us there's one place we can worship. That's the temple in Jerusalem. So if we're going to worship, we're worshiping there. We're gone. We'll not take part in this. We'll not be here. This old prophet didn't leave. In fact, he's right there where the pagan temple is. And his sons were there too, weren't they? Because his sons told him what the man of God said. Hey, you won't believe what happened, Dad. There's this man of God. He came out, and he wasn't like all of us. He actually knew God and had power because he blasted this altar in half. And then the king's arm was withered, and then he got healed. 
What else did he say? He said, everything we're doing is going to be destroyed. Which way did you say he went? Saddle up the donkey. Let's go talk to him. Why he did it, I don't know. But he was not like him. He was a liar. Now, with love, with compassion, but you understand, not everybody gets to speak into your life. Jesus didn't do it. Jesus goes to heal Jairus' daughter. When he gets there, there's a bunch of people mourning. They say she's dead. Jesus said, no problem, she's just sleeping. When you raise people from the dead, it might as well just be a nap, even if they are dead. What do they do? They all laugh. What's Jesus do? Oh, come on, guys, don't laugh at me. He runs them out. And the only people left in the, bill, in the room is mom, dad, Peter, James, John, and him. Not everyone needs to be someone speaking into your life. Well, I'm a Christian too. Again, I'm not saying, well, prove it. I'm not saying do that. But you need to hear God for yourself. You need Charles Spurgeon, the prince of Baptist preachers from England. He, he ministered, and, and there was a man that came up to him after one service. You understand, he, he preached for years and years and years, thousands of sermons, and he had this wonderful big church, uh, a thousand people in his day, and, that, and that's huge then. And he was preaching, and a man came up after service and said, Brother Spurgeon, I'm here to tell you that I need to preach next week in this pulpit. And Brother Spurgeon said, When God tells me, I'll let you know. You need to hear God for your own self. Does that mean someone can't correct, instruct, rebuke, encourage based on the Word of God? No. We can and we should do those things as led by the Holy Spirit for and to one another. Because the Word of God is profitable for correction, instruction, rebuke, and encouragement. But for someone to come up and say, Thus saith the Lord unto you, you better prove that thing. And this man of God could have said, Wait a minute. If you are a prophet like me, why'd God have to send me to your town? Amen. Amen. Now, we're bringing it to a close. Satan tried three things. He wanted to attack the anointing. Doesn't work. Tried to pay him off. If you don't allow compromise, he can't pay you off. And when it comes right down to it, if you'll just give God some time. Some things do happen instantaneously, but the blessing of the Lord is progressive. The Bible says first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn of ear. There are laws of progression concerning faith. Day in, day out, living with God will strengthen you and build a life and a testimony of God's goodness. So when it comes right down to it, you'll make better off living with God anyways than being bought out by the world. Because if they can give you something, it's like giving treats to an animal. If, if you just keep feeding them, I told Laura, I made a joke with Naomi. <laughs> I, I was sitting eating yogurt this morning. Naomi loves yogurt. And when I say loves it, I mean like all over her chin, her face, rub it through her hair. Give me more, give me more, right? And she was eating my yogurt out of my bowl with my spoon. And I looked at Laura, I said, I've, already, I've started something I can't stop now, don't I? 
I said, because normally we feed her with her spoon, her bowl at her high chair. I said, but now she knows if she comes to dad, she can eat what dad's eating out of his bowl. And I said, I feel like it's, you know, it's when the cat comes, the neighborhood cat comes and you leave out just one, I'm just going to feed him one time. And tomorrow, meow, 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 meow. And tomorrow, meow, meow. I said, I've started something I can't stop now. <laughs> now, I want you to see this as we're coming to a close. The third thing that Satan used was deception. And unfortunately, it worked. Because when they go back, verse 19, he goes back with them, he eats, he drinks. And then the word of the Lord, verse 20, came to that old backslidden prophet who had brought him back and cried out to him, to the man of Judah, came, came from Judah, verse 21, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord God commanded you, but you came back, you ate, Bread, you drank water in the place which the Lord said to you, eat no bread, drink no water, your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. You're going to die before you even get home. And so it was after he had eaten, he leaves, verse 24, when he's gone, a lion meets him. On the road, kills him. That lion is standing there. He doesn't eat him up, he just kills him, strikes him down dead. Donkey stands beside him. It's a miraculous thing. Here's a donkey and a lion standing beside a dead man. Verse 26. Now when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, this donkey, this lion, and the dead man, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has delivered him into the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. This man of God's problem was this. At that point, again, I don't know every detail, but I can only see what I see in the Word, but it's plain and simple. At some point, something changed in his heart, and he traded what he had heard from God for himself for, he said, another gospel. See, Satan can't attack you if you're being defended by God. If God's your defense, he can't attack you. But if the next thing Satan's going to try is, hey, man, can I deceive you? Can I mix a little doubt in with your faith? You know, a man said that to Jesus. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me not be doubting. In other words, Father, I, I, Jesus, I have faith, but help me not doubt. Because if Satan can throw in and seed in some deception, well, then it's no longer a faith. It's deception and doubt being mingled in, and you'll begin to think, I know that's what the Bible says, but this word right here that changes and hurts so many faith confessions and testimonies and lives. I know the Bible says that, but. But when you hear God for yourself, that changes everything. And I want you to know this. God speaks to you. Romans 8.14 says this as we're closing today. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. If you're a child of God, He leads you. That's a good prayer promise. That's a good prayer confession. That's a good daily thing to say to the Lord. Lord, I thank You because I believe on Jesus. I know I'm a child of God, so I'm led by You. Your Spirit dwells in me, and I'm being led by You. John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, 
and they follow me. Lord, I thank you. I hear your voice and your voice alone. If there's another voice that comes into my ears, I can easily discern and know that ain't you. So I'm not listening. Not only will God speak to you, but God will answer you. Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me and I will answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things which you know not. God can lead and guide you and answer your questions. We studied this in men's Bible study yesterday. God is the God who knows the end from the beginning. So if you go to Him who has all knowledge, He can order your day from the beginning with the end in mind. Or your life, or your marriage, or your children, or your company, or your career. He'll speak to you. He will talk to you. He will answer your questions. You don't have to go to someone else. He will talk to you. He will speak to you. And lastly, if He said it, He'll do it. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is He that has called you who will also do it. Nehemiah 23, Numbers 23.19 God is not a man that He should lie. Neither the Son of Man that He should repent. Has he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God said it. He'll bring it to pass. Because you can hear God for yourself. And don't allow any lie of the devil to throw you off your course. If you'll just keep, Lord, I'm listening. And when I need wisdom, James 1, 5, I'm coming to you because you give wisdom generously to those that ask. Father, I don't know what to do right here. I don't know how to handle this situation. I need some wisdom. He's going to answer you. He's going to show you great and mighty things. Father, I don't know what to do. I've got something in my family, Lord. I'm at an end of solutions in my own mind. I need you to do something in my family, God. I need an answer. He'll show you. God... I don't know. When I look around, it's saying economy's growing tight. They're saying this is going to shrink, this is cutting back, all these things. Bank account don't look... God, I'm going to have to feed these babies. I'm going to have to take care of my wife. Lord, I need an answer. God, I've got brokenness in my body. There's, a, there's sickness, disease in my flesh. Lord, people are saying, you know, with all this, it's 2021, all these technical advances, but I still got a, you're going to die in six months. We don't have a cure for it. Lord, I've come to man. They got no answers, but I know you can answer me. God will answer you. God will perform His Word in your life.